Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray that you're going to be blessed by hearing God's word. May you be filled with hope as you believe and trust in Jesus. Galatians chapter 6 this morning. If you have a Bible, if you would turn there or your phone, if you do your Bible, or you can just uh, listen along this morning. I'm just going to read the first 10 verses of Galatians chapter 6. Yes, we've made it to the final chapter. Here we go. It says this, brethren... If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such as one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, he also will reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Years ago, during communion, as you knew, we know we take it each week here, and usually I'm at the back and ready to pray for people. But on this Sunday years ago, I remember the Spirit kind of nudging my thoughts quite heavily. And this was many, many years ago. I would definitely guess seven or eight. But I just my thought pattern went to this crazy thought, it's time to build. And there was half as many people in this room. And there was plenty room of at Farrell Hall. So I had no idea what that meant. And usually when God speaks to you, it's not really what you originally think. you got to pray into it quite a bit. And so as I read this passage today and we get through this book, it's become clear to me what I think the Holy Spirit was trying to speak to me on that Sunday. It wasn't a physical building, But it was to build a fellowship in the truth of God's grace by the power of his spirit. And we are here and hopefully we'll continue always thinking through what we've gone through in the book of Galatians, not to book, not to build on the law or behavior. We're here to build on Jesus Christ, his work and his grace for you and for I. We believe very strongly that as we are changed internally, the external will come along for the ride. But if we try to change externally our behavior without knowing the grace and love of Jesus Christ, it's only a band-aid and it certainly will not last. Amen? It's time to build. And as we work our way through Galatians, we've had a lot of 
theology and what is truth and we're children of promise and not of the law. We've gone into the Old Testament. We've seen that proven by Paul. It's not external behavior that we get to eternity or develop our relationship with Christ. We're children of promise and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, as I went through Galatians teaching with Doug and through this, there is such a connection with the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in grace. There is a tremendous connection and we see in chapter 3 where Paul would say, having begun in the Spirit, right? But it's attached to this theology of grace. And we saw last week in chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit comes from walking in the Spirit. And how that never comes from us working to create more of God in our lives, but abiding, living in what He's done for us. Amen? So we need to constantly, as we heard, renew our mind in who Christ is and what He has done. And what that does, though, it leads us to some pretty amazing practical behavior. Now, we've talked a lot individually, like, this is what you have to believe. But I started talking about the church and what we believe, because it's really important that sometimes not only do we think of ourselves as individually filled with the Spirit and producing the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, but corporately that we need to think about being all of us together corporately on the same path as a church of building on grace and being in his spirit. Amen? Because in North America, we're so, you know what? Our relationship with God is become so individual. It's about me and, and, and what I know and what I experience. But as you read the Bible, the majority of it is corporately how you experience. Do you know the majority of letters Paul wrote are to churches and not to individuals? But we, in our culture, uh, especially in Canada, and I don't want to step on toes, we've become so isolated and individual, and everything with God is me and God. But you know what? Sometimes we need to think we and God, together, operating. And if you go through things like the Lord's Prayer, you'll see how corporate it is. Always in the plural. And here, what would it look like, practically, Walking in the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, what would that, what would in some ways, just a few little things, what would a Spirit-filled fellowship look like? And I just wanted to talk about a little thing. So we'll start there in verse 1. And it says this, brethren, or if you have another version, men or women, don't get hung up on that. If a man is overtaken or caught in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, or the original says meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So, I don't think anyone's perfect here. Is that correct? We're all going to have trouble here and there. Um, and we're going to need brothers and sisters to give us a little help. Amen? That's right. And a spirit-filled church is a church that has grace for one another, 
that doesn't push people away because they failed, but goes to get them to bring them back for redemption and restoration. Do you know what? God is always about redeeming people. God is always about restoring relationships. And here, there's just a few little things because we can get hung up on that a little bit. But the word here, trespass or fault, as I listened and read, that is not sin where people are saying, I'm not wrong, because you got to balance this with Scripture. This isn't 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where there's sexual sin, and the person stands up and says, I'm not wrong, it doesn't matter what you say. Okay, so if we want to help someone, the first thing is the person in some way has to be willing to be helped. Amen? I can't help someone who who believes their actions aren't sin. Doesn't work. So the first thing, and in this word fault or sin, it's the idea that I, which we do, I Yeah, I'm not constantly thinking about doing that. It happens over and over. There's a time to help those people as much as we can. But if they deny God, we're limited to... I could try to help someone, but if they don't want help, it's not working. That's my little experience in 17 years of pastoring. And there comes a point where you're like, you're on your own, right? I've reached out. And we have to understand that. But there's people, and, and that's probably us, where we fail and we're ashamed... And we're down and we need a brother of sis, a brother or sister to come and come get us. Right? Because shame and guilt are huge things. And if we treat people, go back to the whole letter, in a legal way, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe your marriage is falling apart. I can't believe you're depressed. I can't believe you struggle with anxiety. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Or, no. In gentleness, in meekness, not thinking I'm better than you, because that comes from legal behavior, right? But in grace, because I understand it, I'm going after you because I love you. And there's something really interesting about this, and, you know, I don't mean to smash down on our North American picture of church, but to do this, you actually have to have relationships. You know that? And church has become, I come in, I hope the music's good, I like two out of the three leaders, or one out of three, or zero out of three. I'm making a joke because it's a, church has become consumerism. And I hope Dan has a good one this week. I hope he's actually prayed about his sermon. I hope all, like, all those kids didn't distract them. You know, and we come and we grade and, and we go, we go out the door and we might have a little chat, grab a coffee. Yeah, you had a good week, good week. But uh, church is real relationship. And you know what, if you were if you were asking me, you know, where should I go to church? You're moving to a place and you're like, I'm looking for a good preacher. You know what? I, I would want you to find good teaching. But you know what? There is good teaching all over. But what we need most of all in assembly is real relationship. Real relationship. Because when we have real relationship, we can't hide when we've blown it. 
It's not like in and out. And we never say like, oh, I'm down. I'm discouraged. You know what? And by the way, sometimes we see this fault in sin thing. We're like, oh, drugs or, you know, financial ruin or pornography. Let's stop thinking big. (laughs) It could be anything. I'm not saying it doesn't include those. It could be all sorts of things. But if you don't have real relationship, you're missing out on a spirit-filled church that can speak into your life. Does that make sense? makes a lot of sense to me. And so even as we grow and we're growing, we have to work at continually creating and working in relationship, driven by the Spirit, so I can get into your life when... You're overtaken, and you can get into my life. And oh, how I've appreciated when people reach out and ask, and yes, even pry. (laughs) Pry a little bit, because we're really good at putting on masks. But real relationship, hey, you, something's up, right? Now, I enjoy as a pastor, people expect me to ask the hard questions. So like if I go to lunch for you, with you or coffee, I'm not going to talk about sports the whole time. Eventually I'm going to get to you like, how are you doing? Like really tell me because I'm not getting paid to talk about that. I want to be with you and walk with you and speak with you. And hopefully not always perfect, but we as a spirit-filled church in gentleness. By the way, the fruit of the spirit is, and this is where we need the kids singing the song, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What? And self-control. So if I'm filled with the fruit of the spirit, if I'm desiring to speak to you, the fruit of my life is gentleness. And I'm not going to come in arrogantly but because I'm controlled by God's Holy Spirit, that gentleness will speak to you. You see, how I am makes we are to everyone's benefit. Because, you know what? I've been down before and I don't need a sermon. I've failed. I don't need a sermon. I need someone who's going to walk with me. And tell me God's truth, not in a five-point, half-an-hour message on how I blew it. I want to walk with you. And you need to walk with each other. Because we are going to have hard times. And I really kind of, this is big in, in our current state. Um, I just really came to my mind some of mental challenges we have of anxiety, depression. Because sometimes we don't think Christians can get down and we need to wake up, that we need to help each other and not leper you, I can't believe you're that way. We really need to work together. Because you know what? As we bear one another's burdens... We're fulfilling the real law of Christ, going back to chapter 5, which is loving and serving one another. And serving, it doesn't have to be physical things. Serving can be me speaking and walking with you 
when you have become overcome by difficulty in life. Right? That's why he says this right here, the, the law of Christ. But I want to put a little caveat on this because it says, yeah, be careful in gentleness to restore, but lest you also be tempted. Now, what is that all about? Lest you also be tempted. And you know what? We would think like, okay, if, you know, and, and this is true, but like if I'm an alcoholic and I want to go help you, alcoholic, and you're in the bar, it doesn't help me to go there, right? And that's how I would look at this. But I think even more so, we don't understand in helping people, sometimes there's these boundaries And if my helping you draws me into sin in any way, I have to be extremely careful. And there are times when I have to be like, no, and I've done this before. Number one, I can't go alone. I need to go with somebody else because I need accountability. Or, do you know what? I'm not mentally capable of this time of doing that, but there's many others who are. And there's nothing wrong if you know it's going to take you to a place where you will be tempted to sin to not go there. And it's in some ways, and that's, I think, how we define Scripture in a lot of ways. Well, I honor my parents, but if my parents ask me to sin, I'm not going to do it, right? Because I have to be careful with God, led by the Holy Spirit, I help in the power of His Spirit in gentleness, but if I know it's going to lead me to a place of sin, I I can't do that. Yeah, right? And some people say, oh, are there boundaries we should help everybody? There certainly are. There certainly are. And and with the Holy Spirit in here, we have one defined so beautifully for us. And I would say, again, we think of the big ones, you know, alcohol and drugs. But think of that in other areas. And ask the Spirit, as we operate together in the fruit of the Spirit, if this is going to take me to a place that I'm going to fail, I need to go with someone, or I need to pass it off. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to help. And I will add that first part in. If the person is not repentant and doesn't think they're going to sin, the scripture is clear to say as well, there's a time where we have to let go and let God. You hear me? It's important. We want to help everybody, but if the person doesn't want help, we have to... Is, you know, you, you need to step away from that and let God bring the restoration through. This is not a relationship I can have. And that's very scriptural, even though it's hard. Right? And there have been times, even in a spirit-filled church, where someone is going to claim a lifestyle that is sin, and we don't believe it, where we're going to have to say, we can't have fellowship with that. Because obeying God's word in meekness, in love, 
is more important. It doesn't mean ever this passage, I'm going to go get you and agree with your behavior. Hello? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, that's good, right? And we're going to stand on the truth of God's word, stand firm always. And we're going to be a spirit-filled fellowship when someone's overtaken to in meekness and love, go get them knowing what the truth of boundaries are in the power of the spirit. But we want to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And a church that does this, let me tell you, people want to be a part of. And there have been times when I have people come in my living room and they are in real struggle. And I can think of times that come in my marital where it was not time to talk anymore. But in gentleness, I can just remember weeping and praying and asking the devil to leave. Because it wasn't time to get legal. Oh, you guys know what to do. It was time to say, guys, we have one enemy. And my heart breaks for you because I love you. And there is nothing more powerful to bring restoration. You know that? So the next section you might be like, well, how does that let each one examine his own work? Dan, you're talking corporately. Now you're now it's saying own and he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another like Bear your own load? Like, what's that all about? Well, I think the Bible would say that any fellowship or church is like a body. First Corinthians chapter 12, right? Like, I'm an arm, you're a leg, I, maybe you're an internal piece, a kidney, whatever. But we're all part of the what? Body of Christ. Here's what I think it's saying. If you're the arm, do what the arm does. Don't look at the leg. Carry your own load. If you're a finger, do what the finger does. But don't give the finger to anybody. (laughs) If you're a foot, do what the foot does, right? I think what it's saying is you don't compare who you are in what you do to Frankie or Joey or Susie over here. You be responsible through the conviction of the Holy Spirit to what you have been called to do. You haven't been called to be Pastor Dan, and I haven't been called to be you. But you have been given a gift. Each of you has a spiritual gift in this room. So I ask God, examine is another version. Am I doing, or it says it here, to what you have called, and then I can rejoice in God's work through me and know I've done what he's asked me to do. I've bared my load as the hand, the leg, the eye. Does that make sense? So then I don't, and saying, well, am I being you, do, 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 and comparing, and like, oh, you're not doing enough. I examine here, God, who I am, your gifting for me, am I walking in the character of Christ, am I producing your fruit to bless the body? But my job's not to examine if you're doing it, because we're different. Now, we are to pray for each other, Right? But this is really important, and I believe this is how it fits in. And by the way, this also says, I'm not supposed to carry your load. I'm supposed to carry my load. And this is great for leaders because, oh, Pastor Dan, we don't have this ministry or that ministry. Aren't you concerned about that? I'm like, well, if you're concerned, maybe you should do it. Because my plate is full. They say, oh, what are your office hours? I don't have office hours. But I'm bearing a load. And you might have office hours because that's what you do. 
But my office is my yard. And I'll walk around or my house or wherever it is. I'm only saying, bear your load the way God is showing you in the power of the Spirit, but be careful to examine not others but yourself, which is very scriptural. Am I doing what God's called me to do? Or am I dilly-dallying over there here, focused by myself or living an individual life? You can't. We're a body to help each other, right? And there's different seasons for different service, just to bring that. Some are more busy, some are more quiet. That's okay, as long as you're doing what the Holy Spirit has asked you to do. Right? We don't, and I said the office hour thing, I'm not here to check your hours of service. That's not my business. But it is my business to say, do you believe that you're operating in the gift that God's given you for the kingdom of God? We don't have like a time chart at Northgate. That's not the way it works. But we do have, God has made you unique and special. Are you doing what he wants you to do? And then on the same point, I can't do what you do. And if you say, well, there's no ministry and there's no one who wants to do it, too bad. Then we're not doing it. Because the more load we put on ourselves, then we can't do the things that we've actually been called to do. Right? Okay, so that that fits well. Verse 6, so let him who is taught the word share in the good things with him who teaches. Very uncomfortable verse for me or any pastor. It should be uncomfortable to them, right? Because I don't want your money. I don't want anything unless God is telling you. (laughs) I want you to be obedient for the blessing that you will receive. But I don't want it to be, oh, I need this and that. That's not the way it goes, right? The way it goes is you're led by the Spirit. There are those people in leadership in who teach God's word that we are to care for. Do not muzzle the ox while he's working or, you know, doing his thing. And back to the Old Testament, the Levites, and there was something for them. And and we move on. And here, I think according to this passage in the church, that there are those who teach and there are those that should be taken care of. But I will say this and leave this topic very carefully. And I will speak for Amy and myself. We have been amazingly blessed by you. I don't have to go get them. I have to say simply thank you. From little things to big things. And I could write a list, and I don't want to write a list. But there are some days where I will walk around, think of what I'm wearing, think of what I have, and basically all is through the gift of the body of Christ. And I just say, praise God. Praise God. And some of those things, when we had less... And God put it on people's heart was absolutely amazing. I can remember way back not even having money for my kids' shoes. And good old Ralph taking me to the store and buying shoes for every one of my kids. And things like that, vacations we could never take, people helping us to be able to find rest. 
house repairs. I remember years ago, people from the church washing our windows just because they loved us and wanted to take care of us. Vehicles. Even our house is a gift from God that in no way we could afford, but the Lord has blessed us through the body of Christ. Come on! We are so thankful for everything the Lord has done. And even this week, a young youth coming to fix my lawnmower <laughs> is amazing. For people investing in my children, just this week, someone offering to help them with tennis yesterday. Just so thankful. Like, all I do is just have praise. And when God, when God is working... You see miracles like that. Amen? Yeah. I have a blessed life, no doubt about it. So we'll move on because it's not just that. And it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I don't... Um, I'm going to save that for next week and veer off because that's a huge couple of verses. But I will say this, as we're trying to operate in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, and we're trying to be in relationship and help each other and doing our part in our gifting and, and blessing those who are leading and teaching, and we're going to see one more thing at the end. Do you know what? You can't fool God. That's all I'll say. If you're going to do what you want in your own power and strength, it's just going to lead to not good things. But we'll carry on next week. Hopefully that draws you back because these verses are incredible, incredible lessons practically for us to learn how we should live. Verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 9, do you ever wonder why the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to put a verse in like this? It's all nice and so if you ever grow weary. But here's why I believe that Paul put it in there. Because we do lose heart and we do get tired. <laughs> right? Then sometimes you just like, how did he know? Sometimes you preach sermons, someone's like, how did you know what I was dealing with? I didn't know. Because I get tired. And I lose heart. And here's the amazing thing to be a spirit-filled congregation building on grace. We're going to get tired because it's counter-current. It's like swimming upstream. It is tough sometimes. But here's what we can say in the encouragement. And I would say to you as the family of God, if you're tired, keep going. Because you will you will, you will see fruit. You will see fruit. You will reap. And you might not see it now, but it's coming. Because if we do what God says, you might not see in our like fast food generation the burger coming out. But this might be a long, cook it slow on the barbecue kind of thing. 
And we can't be always looking for results to keep us encouraged and motivated, but we have to look to Christ Jesus and continue on knowing we're doing the right thing. As a church, together, focused on grace, in the power of the Spirit, don't get tired. Well, you're going to get tired. Excuse me. But keep going. I love the lose heart thing because it reminds me of prayer as a church, as we saw in Luke. As Jesus gives a parable expressly written to those who might lose heart in prayer. So Jesus knew it and said, when you lose heart, here's a little parable for you. So here, you might be losing heart today in serving and trying to help people and operating and when, God, is this going to happen and and this and I'm trying to do this and there never seems to be opportunity or response. Just be steady. You hear me? And don't lose heart. And we'll finish with this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. But especially to those who are of the household of faith. This morning down in prayer was interesting. George was talking about how in his past, the body of Christ has helped him when he had need. I thought that was great, and I sprung in. Oh, God, would you help our fellowship to see needs one of another, not grow weary, and step into them to see people help. And it doesn't matter what you do. You don't have money. It's not about money. It's a phone call. It's a prayer. It's helping someone who's hurting. It's seeing things, not being tired, and helping those who need help, and letting go of your directives in your life a little bit to see other people's needs. And I will again say there's different seasons, but I will tell you, even when we had little kids, people said, well, what can you do? Do you know what? I got my kids, and I'm not saying you have to do this, and we went and we vacuumed the church together. And what do you think? Oh, boy, that was a big effort getting them. They were like two and three. Do you think they did any vacuuming? No, but they bombed it around the church and ran around and, ah, nobody was in the sanctuary. And dad was like, mom was doing the windows. But it was a lesson for our kids that we still can work together in this busy season of life to operate as a family to bless God. And you have to pray, God, how can we do that? Again, not so North American insular, who us? And by the way, it doesn't even have to be church. Having people over. We're going to the park together. Enjoying those things together, investing in one another for God's glory. That's church. And that rolls. And that is good. So none of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You want to do it in your flesh, it will last about three weeks. Well, maybe if you're really strong-willed, three months. Maybe if you're Superman, three years, or Superwoman. But you know what? We need the Holy Spirit. And by the way, did you know that it's Pentecost 
Sunday. Oh yeah, how about that? Seven weeks after Easter, they celebrated when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. And that just happens to be Easter. You can track it back. I looked it up online, but I double counted the days. Seven, yeah, 28th of May. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. Well, you need to be overflowed and more controlled by the Holy Spirit. It never ends. Lord, you take your spirit within me and you take control so we can operate through individuals filled by the Spirit to become a family of God filled together for his glory. Yeah. And how does that happen? Believing. God, I need you. Help me. That'll be your effort. And simply asking, how much more, right? For those who ask. We have a good father. He's not keeping him himself and his presence away from us. He's waiting for us. Remember, if I, you know what? As for bread, he's not going to give me a rock. That passage in, in that parable, it's the same thing. He's saying, listen, I want to help you. I've given you my spirit in your life. Continually ask for help from me, and I will do it today. And I'm learning every day there's a need for Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> every day. I can get grouchy when things don't go my way. But maybe it's because I need more and I need to ask. And God, would you control me and not the things of this world to be all that you've asked me to be? And I think God, as we ask in his name according to his will, will answer. That's in the Bible. Do you think God wants you to be empowered and walking in the power of the Spirit each and every day? Do you think God wants to use you to bless the body of Christ, knowing who you are, doing what you've called to do, to edify and bless others? Yes, this is all what God wants. So Lord Jesus, together today, we ask you, even as was so at Pentecost, that you would fill us with your presence. We know that you live in us through your spirit, but we're asking that you would take complete control and that you would fill us afresh and anew to be what you've called us to be for each other, that we would help each other holding up their hands, maybe in prayer or a life, strengthening, encouraging feeble knees, as it says in Isaiah. Lord, for each other, that we'll lift each other up, that we will edify one another, that we will even challenge and exhort when we're going the wrong way. Through the power of your Spirit, through the power of your perseverance, your gentleness, your love, that we will minister one to another for your glory, Jesus. There is no way 
we are admitting and confessing as a group that we can do it in our own power, not by strength, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God, would you strengthen and fill us with your amazing Holy Spirit, your presence in us? Would it expand? May we produce fruit abiding in who you are. May your gifts fall upon us. Lord, that many would come into your kingdom and that many in the body would be encouraged and edified. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just think of that. 1 Corinthians 12, that we all have a gift for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. No one is better than the other. We're not standing on legal ground. We're not more holy than the person next to us. But knowing we receive God's grace through belief, we have that attitude as we live together. We're not going to bite and devour one another what people do or not doing, but we encourage knowing that we're children of the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. May no one leave this place not encouraged by the love of Jesus and that we can grow. We are building, building. It's time to build. We are building in grace by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, May we see you. May you have all preeminence, your body and your blood. And if there's anyone struggling with sin or failure in this room, may they know your truth. May they be washed again and again as they remember your amazing grace. The elements are in the back. The elders and Amy will be in the back. We'd love to pray for you. If there's anything you want prayer for, physical, emotional, if there's anything you want to confess or you just need prayer, we are happy to pray for you. Lord, Holy Spirit, bless this time as we remember Jesus and we worship Thank you for joining us for this message this morning. If you'd like more information about Northgate, you can find us on the internet at northgateministry.com. We'd love to hear from you and have a great week.